oh, that's the way the world operates, but that's not the way God operates. You know, God doesn't expect us to jockey for position. He doesn't expect me to pre- present myself as something special before, to God over somebody else so that he'll listen to me. You know, it's, it's actually a really bad idea to do that because God knows everything. He knows everything about me before I was saved, up until the point I was saved, and after, and he knows how I would compare with anybody, and he knows that I have no room to talk. Thankfully, we have a God who's willing to listen to each one of us, and he's not willing... He's not expecting us to jockey for that position. He loves every one of us. He does not expect us to come to him cocky and proud. He expects us to come to him humbly and in need. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at humble yourself. And we're going to be looking again at another parable. I picked Luke at the very beginning. One of the reasons was because it had parables, and I like parables. I feel like it's a word picture that gives you a very clear picture of what you're supposed to learn and it's, it, just, it just works really well. And so Jesus here has a parable, and he's talking to people who are self-righteous, people who are so uh, full of themselves, I think they probably don't even understand this parable is about them and for them. They're so proud of themselves that they think, this can't apply to me. This has to apply to somebody else. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So we know who his, who his audience is, who he's talking to, are the people who are self-righteous, who think that they have it all together. Obviously, people who need to learn a lesson, and he's going to use a parable to do that. And when he does this parable, first thing we're going to be seeing is that we need to humble ourselves when we come to God. Verses 10 through 14, we need to show humility when we come to God. Since so Jesus uh, told this parable, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Sounds like a pretty special guy. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we have two men, two different ends of the spectrum. You have this very self-righteous Pharisee who thinks the world of himself, and you have this tax collector who's on the very opposite end of the spectrum who realizes he has absolutely nothing in himself to offer to God. So the first thing we're going to look at is the reputation, uh, the difference between these two men. Now, the Pharisee, he looked good in man's eyes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever portrayed this idea across that the word Pharisee is a bad thing. Because uh, the word Pharisee is not a bad word. To be a Pharisee is not necessarily a bad thing. It's how they live their life to say, I'm, I want to, to look good even though I don't necessarily want to be good. So I want this outward appearance that says, I got it all together, but really behind the scenes, I don't. But the word Pharisee, it, the idea is to be separate. They wanted to be separate from what the world had to offer. So to be a Pharisee just by name was not a bad thing. It's what they did with it. But he has this reputation of being righteous, of being a holy man, of being separate from the way the world looks. This, these Pharisees did a lot to help that impression on other people. In Matthew 6, 5, you find out that these people love standing on the street corners where everybody could see them. They love standing in the synagogues praying so that everybody could hear them. 
And they, they look good in everybody's eyes. And his prayer, verse 11, he says, uh, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. So he starts out as it's a prayer, because what is prayer? It's talking to God. So he starts out with this, what sounds like a prayer. He's addressing it to God, but really he's not praying this to God. Who in their right mind prays to God and tells God how great they are? Right? That's a really lousy thing to do. Even uh, this guy, is, he's not really praying to God. He's really praying about it to himself. He's reminding himself and everybody else and to God how great he is by saying, I don't do these things. I don't steal. I don't rob, which means he didn't take advantage of the poor and of the oppressed, right? That's something he says, I don't do this thing. Thank you, God, that I don't do this. He says, I'm, I'm not evil. I'm not unjust. I don't take advantage of people, of, of people who, when I do a business deal, it's a fair deal. And so he says, I don't do that, um, at least on the, on, uh, so you would know, right? Cause, but, and, and to your faces, he's going to look like the true, genuine guy behind your back. You don't know what you're going to get. The third thing he says is that um, I'm not like these adulterers. I did not cheat on my wife. You know, and, and that, you look at this Pharisee, and how many people say, I like this guy? Not for what he's saying, but you want somebody, if he's going to deal, you want somebody who's going to be honest. You want someone who's going to be just. You want someone who's going to be faithful, right? So by himself, he looks like a pretty good guy. Forget the fact that you know that his motives are wrong, that behind the scenes he might be doing something else. But at face value, you say, I like this guy, right? Um, he says, I didn't do those things. But how does he look good? He compares himself to the tax collector. Verse 11, he says, I thank you that I'm not like this guy, right? I'm not like this tax collector, who is quite the opposite. Everything about him is screaming that he is unjust, that he is unfair. And this guy looks perfect by comparison. And that's an easy thing for people to, put the, to do. But this is not what the Pharisee is not supposed to be comparing himself to this tax collector. He's not supposed to be comparing himself to anybody else. Who is he supposed to be comparing himself to? To God, right? He's supposed to be comparing himself to God, comparing himself to what he knows from Scripture, and see how does he line up. But he says, I don't want to do that. I want to compare myself, and I'm going to come out on top. And anybody can do that. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can compare yourself to somebody else and say, I'm not that bad, and that's what this guy is doing. So he says, I didn't do all these bad things. By the way, you know what? I, I did even more. Uh, I went above and beyond what God, even God has asked me to do. He says that um, I fast, verse 12, I fast twice a week. Now, the, the, these people were not called to fast twice a week. They were called specifically to fast one time a year. Now, do the math. How many days or how many weeks are there in a year? 52, right? And if you fast twice a week, that's going to be 104. And if you're only supposed to uh, fast one time for a, a whole year, that means this guy did 103 times more than he was supposed to. He says, I'm going above and beyond, God, what you're asking me to do. Look at how special I am. Look at how great I am. Now, when this guy would fast, he, he knew how to do this. Uh, they would, he'd fast twice a week, and it would be like on a Monday and a Thursday, which was pretty common. Well, those aren't just two random days of the week. Those happen to be the two biggest shopping days of the year. You know, picture Black Friday. Everybody is out shopping. Everybody in the world is out shopping. Picture that going on, and this guy is going to make it obvious that he's fasting. He's going to have his face whitened, 
and he's going to have his clothes unkempt, and he's going to walk around like, oh, I'm so hungry, and it's obvious that I'm fasting. They were good at doing that. And by the way, when they fasted, they could still have bread and water. So I'm thinking, eat more bread. You're really not fasting, in my opinion, if you're still eating. But they would do it, and they'd make it look obvious to everybody because their goal was to look good in people's eyes. They weren't, but they, that was their goal, was to look good in people's eyes. And, it, and then you have the, the fact that he was tithing. Okay? He would tithe a t- a 10% on everything that he made, right? which is kind of what is set up in uh, the, the, the churches today. Is a tithe is a, a, a tenth of what you make. But he would do above and beyond that. He says, yeah, I'll give a tenth of the money that I make, but you know, I have this garden, and I have these herbs and these spices. I'm going to give a tenth of those as well. I mean, it's, how do you, how long do you have to spend to, to get a tenth of spices, right? A tenth of the, the cumin and a tenth of these, uh, whatever kind of spices there are. But he says, I'm going to go above and beyond because I am that righteous, I am that holy, and I'm going to give that as well. Not just my finances, but a, a tenth of whatever I make everywhere I go. You find in Matthew 23, verse 23, those are the kinds of things. These spices is what they would give because they were going above and beyond. Look at me. I'm proud. I'm a good special guy. I do everything that I'm supposed to. God is so lucky that I'm one of his children, that I'm one of his people. You have the opposite side. You have this, this tax collector, and he prays, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You have this guy who's looking up to heaven proud. You have this guy who can't even get his eyes to look up because he is so humbled. If you look at the NASB version of this verse, he says, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Like I am, I could be the sinner that this Pharisee is talking about, or I could be the chief of sinners. I am the absolute worst person that could be coming to you right now. Please have mercy on me. He's not comparing himself with other people, which I imagine he could. Tax collectors, they they took advantage of people. They were supposed to collect taxes for the enemy, and then they would collect extra for themselves. And I imagine that these I could just picture the tax collector saying, hey, how much did you score today? Well, I got 40 shekels extra. Well, I got 55. Well, and they're going to try to keep outdoing themselves. And he says he didn't even compare himself to those guys because you can always look good by comparison. He just said, have mercy on me, the sinner. You have the self-righteous Pharisee. You have the self-condemning uh, tax collector. He didn't even try to compare himself. He didn't even try to offer himself as worthy before God because he knew they couldn't, he couldn't do it. Both of these guys were at the temple. Both of these guys were praying, one to himself, one to the Lord, but they both went home feeling good about themselves. The Pharisee, he went home uh, feeling good about himself because he just got done reminding God how special he was, and he reminded himself, and he let the whole world know of everybody who was there how good a guy that he was. Of course, who's going to feel bad about that? right? I'm reminded of how special I am. But this, the, the tax collector, he went home feeling better because he was justified. He was declared righteous in the eyes of God. And what is going to happen? It says in verse 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, it's a parable, you know, but this is a situation that was likely to happen all the time. You saw these these Pharisees who were very self-righteous, and they were praising themselves, and you see Every now and then, someone who is as humble as this tax collector who is begging God for mercy. And when was this guy humbled? If we're going to continue the story, when was this guy humbled, right? This Pharisee, 
possibly in his lifetime. Possibly he couldn't mind all his P's and Q's. And finally, it was found out that he really was not that holy, that he really was not righteous by his lifestyle. And that is definitely going to humble him. If I look good in every area of my life and then somebody finds out, it's going to be very humbling. It's going to be very embarrassing. So perhaps in his life that, that happened. Uh, but if we flip to chapter uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, you find out that after life, after this, at some point in his life, he's going to be humbled. Uh, and hopefully it's before he meets the Lord because then it's too late uh, after he's passed on. But talking about Jesus, it says, Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and because he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, verse 9, And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At some point, everybody's knee is going to bow before Jesus. At some point, everybody's tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, uh, that's going to be a very humbling thing, right? You're not going to, I mean, I could just picture people mad, and they're on their knees, and they're saying this because they have to, and, but it's true. And they know that it's true, but it's too late for them to do anything. But at some point, he is going to be humbled. This Pharisee is going to be humbled. Then you have the tax collector who says, you know what? I'm humbling myself now because I have nothing in myself to even offer to God. Uh, he, he didn't even try. Uh, and maybe he was humble, or he was humble now. Maybe he was exalted in that lifetime. Picture some picture this tax collector who was known for cheating people, who was known for robbing, for taking advantage of people. All of a sudden, he has his night and day difference. He says, okay, uh, if I'm going to be a tax collector, I'm going to do it fairly. And everybody knows that tax collectors have this reputation. But instead of asking for three or four extra shekels, he says, I'm entitled to one because that's what this law or what I'm allowed to do. So I'm only going to take what I'm supposed to get. And people are going to be stunned that this guy is no longer taking advantage of everybody. Or perhaps he says, you know what, I'm not even going to be a tax collector anymore. I'm going to go get my fishing pole or my net and go start fishing. And how could someone turn away a job like that where you make money after money, your, money, your pockets are full, and all of a sudden you're doing something completely different? They're going to recognize something different. And in the eyes of everybody, you're going to be exalted. Right? This guy has this opportunity to look completely different, to be thought of highly of in a way that he obviously didn't before. Uh, you find I mean, he's going to have this uh, definitely a walking testimony. In Luke chapter 19, we're going to see this in the year 2019 because we're just, it's just the way it goes. But you find out in chapter 19, verses 18 and 19, because he was a tax collector, he said, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Here was a tax collector who was easily took advantage of people. He says, I'm going to give just half of what I have right now to the poor, which is, I'm sure, a huge chunk. I'm sure it's tough on that pocketbook. But he says, I'm going to repay people four times what I took from them. Guess what? The, how that guy looked in everybody else's eyes. He looked exalted, right? He was the scum of the earth because he was a Jewish person working for the enemy. And then he took advantage of his own people. 
now he's going to be exalted. He's going to look good in people's eyes. But even if that never happened, or even if that did happen, he's going to be exalted in God's eyes. I mean, he, he goes from looking like me, okay, the, a sinner who needs Jesus, who was, whose sin cost Jesus his life, whose sin put Jesus on the cross, and God looks and says, I can't even look at that, to all of a sudden looking perfect in God's eyes as if I had never done anything wrong. I mean, how, what kind of, how, how much better does it get than that? I'm the one who put Jesus on the cross to all of a sudden all my sins are washed clean and I look perfect in his sight. Before God, that's a major celebration, right? That's, you can't get any more exalted or any more uh, look any better in God's eyes than that. The Bible says that it is foolish for me to compare myself with you. Okay, I can't compare myself to Steve and say, wow, look at me. I can't compare myself to Nicole and say, wow, I'm coming out on top because I could do that with anybody. And I bet you could do that with anybody too. You could look at me and say, I'm better than Josh because of X, Y, Z. But the Bible says that that's a foolish thing to do because man is not our standard. I don't look and say, boy, my standard is you. I got to look and say, my standard is Jesus. And how do I compare to that? You know, here's a little quick uh, I did just a little quick study. It didn't take very long to see how does my standard, or how does my actions match up with God. Uh, Psalms 18.30, it says, As for God, his way is perfect. Not a lot of error there. I mean, there's really no error there. Okay, so God, everything that he does is perfect. Okay, Romans chapter 3.10 says, All my deeds are like filthy rags. Hmm. Okay, that's, I'm falling short here. I can compare myself to Leslie and think, Boy, I'm pretty special. But i got to compare myself to him and say, ugh, I don't even come close. There's not even a comparison there, uh, just by comparison. Um, Jesus, Hebrews 4.15 says that he was tempted like us, but Jesus never sinned. Anybody else say that? I never sinned? I, I can't say that. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So by comparison, I am falling short. I am not measuring up. And it even gets worse than that because James chapter 2, verse 10 says, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet does one thing wrong is guilty of breaking all of it. So it says, he who, if you didn't commit adultery but you commit murder, you're, you're guilty of, of both because you have broken the law. James chapter 2, it says, For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. You've, you've, you're guilty of breaking everything in his sight. You need Jesus because you have broken a law. I can't stand before God at any point in my life and say, boy, are you lucky to have me. Boy, boy uh, should you just pat yourself on the back, God, because you saved me because of what I was going to do or because I was worth anything, because that's not how it works. You know, pride uh, is a very big issue, um, I mean, I'm going to give a personal example of pride. I told Jerry this when I saw him the other day. I said, if you happen to be here, you'll get it twice. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that people don't always necessarily see. I mean, my example of pride, no one's going to look and say, I saw that coming, okay? It's just not that way. Uh, but pride has been a big de deal from the beginning. You know, you have Satan. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 15, uh, 12 to 15. He had, a, uh, Satan had a problem with pride. Obviously, uh, we know all that, but it says, verse 12, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. 
You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And it can go on. And he, what was his goal? To be higher than God was. Okay, he says, I am that good. I can have that position. And he, the sin of pride got him booted out of heaven. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, they had the sin of pride thinking they could be equal with God. God had already said, don't eat that fruit from that tree and they said, okay, but then when Satan told them, you can be equal with God, they said, oh, that would be really nice. I'd like to be equal with God. I have this pride that says, I can do this. My, I'm making my own decision. It contradicts God, what he said specifically, but it's okay because I have some reason to justify why it is okay. And so they had the sin of pride as well. And you can find it everywhere. And like I said, I have a personal example. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Anybody else ever do that? Uh, I, have, I have to admit, uh, when it's talking about that, it's talking about the body of Christ and about different people with different positions. And uh, one, like the gifts of preaching, the gift of teaching, the gift of service. And when I say, I don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, when I, when I look at you, I'm not thinking of myself more highly than you. Okay, we all have different gifts. We have different abilities. And so when I have this issue with pride, it's not because I'm looking and saying, boy, I'm better than Darren, or I'm better than Gary, or I'm better than Leslie, because that's not how, that wasn't my problem. My problem was comparing myself with all the preachers who were here before I got here. I, and I didn't even know them. I didn't even hear them preach. I didn't nothing. But I thought for sure, when I came here to Plevna, uh, and this, this only took a couple of months to get humbled really quick, but I thought when I came to Plevna, I, I was going to blow everybody away with my preaching. Because I heard this, the way this guy preached in this book, in this class that I took, I thought, I'm going to do it just like that, and the church is going to be filled. I thought people were just somehow going to find their way into this church and think that I was something special. How many people agree with that? <laughs> right? No. Okay, thank you. But it didn't happen. Right? I got humbled very quickly to think, you know what, Josh? You are not, a big, you are not anything extra than what you think you are. Right? You cannot do this on your own. And so I got humbled and like, okay, God, I'm going to quit relying so much on myself and I'm going to start relying on you uh, to give me the words to say. That if you want people to come, if you want me to accomplish anything in this church, God, it's got to be you. It is not me. So I got humbled uh, in a real, a major way because I had this, this issue with pride. I may never get exalted in my own eyes. I may never preach to a, a packed house, right? A packed church. I mean, we'd have to take everybody from Plevna and stick them in here, really, if you're going to do that. And it may never happen. God may never move me and say, I want to exalt you because you were humbled back in 2017, and so you're going to preach to a stadium full of people. That may never happen. It will probably not ever happen. But you know what? Um, I'm more likely to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when I get to heaven. I, I may not, but I'm more likely to because I got humbled, and I said, okay, I can't do this on my own, and I'm going to trust you to help me to do this. I don't know who here ever struggles with pride, but if you happen to struggle with pride like I do, uh, I just want you to know uh, that you need to humble yourself and you need to confess it and say, God, this is the way I am, but just like any other sin in the whole history of inventions of sin, God will forgive the sin. Okay, he'll forgive you of your sin of pride just like he'll forgive your sin of anything else. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, 
He is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yes, I'm guilty, but God is willing to forgive me of my sin and he is willing to forgive you of your sin as well. So we need to be humble when we come to God. But we also need to be humble how we deal with other people. Verses 15 through 17. It says, People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Come on, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So you have this situation where uh, you have all these mothers who I think are lined up to give, bring their little one-year-old baby to Jesus to have him, he's a rabbi, to have him bless them. You know, picture Christmas, anybody here ever uh, trying to get your kid happy to go see Santa? Right? I have pictures as a baby where me and my twin brother are crying. We have the, all the, the tears all over our face. We have the red cheeks. And we have this picture click. How many, how many mothers do you think want to bring their crying baby to Santa to do that? Right? Maybe some think it's cute. I don't know. I don't think of it that way. But you have all these mothers who are trying to keep their babies happy. Right? We're, we're trying to take my one-year-old fussy kid, keep him happy, keep his brother from picking on him, to take him finally to Jesus to have Jesus bless this kid. And then what happens? You have the disciples that are saying, go away. Okay? Go away. And who knows why this is happening for sure. Um, There's two possibilities. One could be the fact that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is a very busy man, and they just don't want to bother Jesus with this. It's not really worth his while. Right? It's not really that important that this, this baby gets blessed by Jesus. Or it could be the fact that they said, you know what? You're just a woman. You're just kids. Go away. This, we, this, we are doing, we are more pride. We have more pride. We don't need to take this time to spend with you. Obviously, Jesus has a different reaction. He says, wait a second, guys. Bring the babies to me. I will, I will pray for them, or I'll kiss them, or however he wants to bless them. He's going to do that. So we see two things in here. The first is, uh, is we're going to look at the second one first, and that's on how to come to Jesus and coming to him humbly. Uh, you know, like a little child, because it says, uh, I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Uh, parents, how many of you, when you told your kids about something when they were little, they started questioning everything about it? I'm talking about when they're young. They're like, oh, you tell them that this, is, this color is blue? How many of them are going to disagree with you? They don't know their colors. They say, okay, that's the color blue. This is four. You tell them this is four, they're going to believe you because they don't know, and they're just coming with faith. Okay, you're my mom, you're my dad, you're telling me this. And that's how these kids, uh, the childlike faith is like, okay, Jesus, I don't understand. Uh, I understand that I'm a sinner because I've done things that are wrong. Okay, and you say because I can't, I can't get to heaven because I've done things that are wrong. They, a kid says, okay. They're not going to argue with you and try to say I'm really not that bad. They're not going to try to understand every little detail about getting to heaven, about what the Bible says and all these different views, they say, I'm just going to take it because you say it is really true. And that's what it means to come to him with childlike faith. Is like, I don't understand how you could love me. I don't understand everything about heaven. I don't understand everything about the Bible, but I'm going to accept by faith that I need Jesus as my Savior. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Jesus to be my Savior. So that's the second part. But the first part of it is having the humility to be willing to associate with people on a, low, a different uh, ladder, rung of the social ladder. Uh, 
a child a, a lot of times is more willing to do that than even an adult will. But it's uh, Romans twelve sixteen says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. So you have even there the opposite of, I'm, I'm the Pharisee, I'm too proud, I'm too important to deal with these people. Uh, but, or, and you have the tax collector who probably would be welcoming to anybody possible because he knows he has nothing to hold over anybody's head. He has nothing in his life to say, wow, look at me, I'm something special. So you find the contrast. Now, I don't, uh, I don't want to sound prideful when I say this, but I, I, I haven't struggled with dealing with people, hanging out with people of lower social class, because I always felt like I was there, right? You would think, I, I, my dad was a pastor of a church, I was at least important there. No. <laughs> I was just a, a kid who uh, just was like every other kid. When I went to school, I, didn't, I wasn't anything cool. I wasn't, I wasn't good at basketball. I wasn't the smartest in the class. I wasn't talented in any sort of way, so it was really easy for me. You want to be my friend? Great, you can be my friend. Uh, which I guess is kind of beside the point, but we all understand the idea, how it's easy to get on a social ladder and think that I am something special. You can see it at work. You can see it in, uh, at sports. You can see it at school where... People say, you know what, they don't verbalize, wow, look at me how great I am, but by their attitude and their actions, they kind of act that way. So kids, you who are athletic or you who are cool, when you are at school and you see the uncool or the unathletic person, why don't you try including them in a conversation? Those people, they, they're, they're sitting there like the outcasts and think, boy, I'd sure like to be part of the in-group. I'd like to, to hang out with those people. I'd like to have a friend. Why don't you include your them in your conversation. Um, if you're at work or even at school and there's the, the uncool person or the lowest person on the totem pole, why don't you go eat lunch with them? Because you're not too proud to associate with them. Uh, be humble and just, we need to be humble when we come to God, but we also need to show humility to man, which is also the best way to reach them. You know, I think about, I think about Jesus because he was humble. We, we read in chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you know, uh, We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but Jesus was humble enough to deal with kids, you know, and I, most people here, I think, say, we like kids, we're willing to sit with kids, we, you guys all pass out candy to kids, right? So it's like, kids are like, no big deal here, but in other places, kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. I'm glad that doesn't happen here, um, but Jesus was willing to deal with kids. Jesus was willing to eat with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, who was perfect, was said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, it's the sick. And he went to hang out with them. And Jesus was willing to do what it took for me. He was humble enough to come to this earth to take care of Josh, okay, to give Josh eternal life. And if Jesus is willing to do that for the whole world, he's willing to do that for me, then I need to be willing to be humble and deal with other people as well. You know, it's, Jesus is, is not somebody that we have to jockey for a position. We don't have to compare ourselves. We don't have to remind them of how good we are. Jesus knows how good and how bad we are. But he loves us anyway. He's willing to, to, to show us grace. He's willing to show us favor, kindness. Uh, and so we need to be willing to treat other people that way. But he, we, he also was willing to accept people with just a simple amount of faith. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to come to him with just a childlike faith that says, you know what, I don't understand it all. I know there's lots of other ideas out there, but this is what your Bible says, and I'm going to accept it as truth because of what your scriptures say. 
Be encouraged to show the same kind of humility that Jesus showed to others. And if you humble yourself, God will exalt you and lift you up in due time. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for coming to this earth. God, you, you showed us the greatest act of humility by becoming like one of us. And you took on the, the human nature, and you, but you never sinned. But you know what it's like to suffer with temptation. You know what it's like to suffer with pain and with loss and with happiness. And God, I just thank you that you went to the cross today for us so we could have eternal life. God, I just pray that you would forgive me of even this, the sin of pride, even though I feel like I've been humbled by it. Um, I just pray that, God, anybody here who might be struggling with that, that you would help us to recognize how we fit um, and how we need to be humble before you. And, God, if anybody in here needs to know you as their Savior, please help them to come to you with childlike faith. Thank you so much for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name.